Welcome to the QAC Team podcast series with your host, Charles Luttrell. Our series features leaders and business owners in your community discussing the customer experience, employee satisfaction, and performance improvement. Our series will help share strategic ideas for coaching and mentoring through mystery shopping in a post-pandemic economy. And now here's your host, Charles Luttrell. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Lindsay from Joanna's Cafe. Are you here, Lindsay? Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being with me this evening. So tell us a little bit about Joanna's Cafe and yourself. Um, so we are in southeast Baltimore County, uh, Maryland. Um, we've been uh, operating for three years. Uh, we opened in August of 2019. Um, yeah, so we are, I mean, we're a, a coffee shop cafe uh, in the community of Dundalk, Maryland. Um, the, the name of the cafe, Joanna, um, is named after my late sister that passed away. So it's sort of my way of honoring her. Very nice. Very nice. But also giving, um, giving the community something that they really wanted. Uh Um, it wasn't, it actually wasn't like my life's dream my own business. I wasn't entrepreneurial minded for most of my life. You know, like some who were like, all I ever wanted to do was have my own place. Um, so it, it sort of was bred out of working for other people, working for other big corporations and just not loving every aspect of, you know, the corporate world. There's, you know, a, a boardroom full of people making decisions that make no sense for the actual people that are doing the work all day, every day, you know, and it's like, Oh, don't, you know, look out, you know, corporate regional, whoever is coming in in the town. And then you have to, you know, dot all your I's and cross all your T's. And then as soon as they leave, and and it's not about cutting corners, um, but it's like, you have to do this circle jerk monkey dance when these people come in and they have quotas and they have things that they have to do that also make no sense, but that's how they get paid and that's how they get promoted. And so like you understand it, but at the same time, you're like, we're the ones that are doing all the work and we know what works and what doesn't. Absolutely. So so there's that side of it. And then there's how you're treated. And, um, you know, some places have a, a decent culture, but not like the best. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's others that are so big that you're, um, you, you really do feel like a number, you know, or like, oh, you know, Bill called out. All right, great. We've got four people that are going to, you know, take over. And I never like the aspect of when some companies get so big, they lose focus on really praising the individual and making them feel like they belong and that they matter. Um, so that was a big deal. Yeah, that's that that you 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 hit it. I was a victim of the corporate world for 16 years myself, and I walked away. I was working for a large telecommunications company, and I had enough. You know, so I just can't do this anymore. You know, so I'm with you. <laughs> so, um, 
why did you decide to be a business owner? That was that was that the main reason you just wanted to get out of the corporate world? Um, not so much that there was. Um... in this journey that I was on working for all these other places, um, I never grew up thinking that I could be a business owner. Like that was just a realm that I didn't think was for people like me, you know? So just like, well, I'm going to work really hard at being this person in this company, you know, and, you know, climb the corporate ladder and do all the things because I didn't understand entrepreneurship or that that was with like anybody can do it you just have to know how and have to have the drive and have to do all that so i'm working in these other businesses and i'm like for the love of god if these people can do this i can do this <laughs> absolutely <laughs> like even whenever i was with this one company you know i was just a very very low in the totem pole and never had like management aspirations or whatever. I was just like, I want to be the best server I can be in my whole life. And, you know, like that's where I saw my future. Right. right. And this dipshit manager worked there. <laughs> and I kid you not, I was like, if this guy can be a manager, then I can too. Absolutely. And it, so it sort of opened my eyes that like, you don't have to be this great, um, outstanding you know business whiz like you just have to be some schmo that whatever and i'm like well i can do that like i'm passionate about this i'm really good at it i know you know i, I know all the things so you know i contacted my my uh regional director and i'm like hey i'm interested in this next level and he's like oh that'd be so great so anyway so that sort of opened my eyes to that and then um Fast forward a bunch of years, I worked my way up in that company. And then um, I moved to Maryland when I married my husband. And I stepped down from my role in Pennsylvania to a sister company that I had been working with and sort of started over, but it was just easier. It was more flexible and all this stuff. And I was like, well, I'll just work my way back up. No big deal. Um, it was more, it was, it was more. So the one was like a fast casual restaurant. And then the next one was more like business casual restaurant. So they didn't have as many stores, but they, they were close enough to me that I was like, it's whatever, you know, I can, I can work my way back up. Right. Right. So then, you know, a, a management position comes available and I interview for it and I do all this stuff and in true you know, corporate fashion, they're like, well, there's somebody else that actually already works for or manages for this company that wants to transfer. So they, you know, sort of have, have seniority over me, even though I was with the company for like four times as long, but I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, so I reach out to another sister company that has management opportunity. You know, I'm like, Hey, this, you know, this is my story. This is my resume. This is all the stuff. And you're like, yeah, we don't really, yeah, we're not going to, we don't cross hire managers into this location, into this brand. And I was like, okay, so I've been with the company for 12 years and I did all this stuff and you're not, you're not even going to interview me, let alone like 
consider me. Like you're not even going to get me face to face. Right. How does that make you feel? You know, I mean, that's like, they. Well, just, I mean, it was just like, like I, a number. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we'd have some like the big wigs come in and I'm, I'm asking them, I'm like, is, is this a real thing? Like you don't, you won't even consider me. Like maybe you had a bad or they had a bad, uh, you know, case in the past where they hired someone from another location and it didn't work out. I'm like, so you just said, all right, that's it. We're not doing it anymore. Um, so I was like, well, this is annoying. So anyway, so like a, a I don't want to say rival, but a competitor, I ended up going to work for them and they'd never heard of me or anything. And they hired me on the spot. So I was like, okay, well, if this is what that's all about, I'm like already red flag. And I hated it anyway. Wow. So I was with that company for six months and that was the worst, worst job I've ever had. It was just the, the management was so poor and just horrible to work for. So again, I'm like, if this dude can be the president of a franchise, like a large, very well-known franchise, this Yahoo can do this. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. So I slowly started like, I can do this. How do I do it? I've, like, I've run restaurants. How can I put that knowledge into running my own? Because it's two very different things, running somebody else's with their money and running your own thing with your own money. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm like, okay, how do I make this work? How do I do this? Um, and so I, I did one more job change and I, I did like a career change. Like I left restaurants and like, I was so turned off even though I've been doing that since I was born, I was, I was so turned off from the last place. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back into fitness, my other passion. So I went to work at a gym and again, I'm like, Oh my Lord, I am. <laughs> if these people can do this, like literally what am I doing? Right. So anyway, so I was like, I drove home one day and I was like, you know what? I could really go for a coffee, but there's no drive through like anywhere, like between where I was coming from and on my way home, like, like the main stretch of going to my house. So I came home and I'm like, husband of mine, this, I just had this brainchild. So I started coming up with this drive through coffee truck idea and, you know, started pricing it out. And then I'm like, well, does it, coffee truck makes sense or should I, you know, look for a, like a, a building or something or should, you know, then I started looking up businesses that were for sale or, you know, whatever. So I started doing that and running through all this stuff and doing all these business plans and all this stuff in my head. And I find this one that I think is really cute and, and I do whatever. And I take the numbers and everything to my accountant and he's like, He's like, what do they want? 180,000, which is typical. Like usually if, when you sell a business, you'll do like two times the owner's salary is what you'll sell it for. Ah, okay. So I was like, okay. And he goes for 180,000, you can start your own thing. Uh -huh. And I'm like, light bulb, light bulb, light bulb, light bulb, light bulb. Like, oh my gosh, I get like, what? So I'm like researching everything and trying to figure out all this stuff. And You know, I decide I'm like, okay, so I, I I write my business plan like that day. 
Like, this is what I envision. This is what I want. This is what I want to do. This is, you know, all the things. So I go to all the departments and all the things and the places I'm supposed to go, which they all end up not being able to help me at all. Um, and then I contact this broker about this one location. And he's like, hey, before we even get into anything, are you going to have live music? And I was like, no. He's like, okay, well, the location that you called me about, the reason that they didn't make it is because there's a live music venue across the street. But the only time that the restaurant was busy is if there was live music across the street. Oh, wow. So like, that was the draw for people to go to the music venue and then go to this restaurant. Uh-huh. So he's like, basically, if you're not going to be a destination on your own, that's not what you're, this isn't the place for you. And then he goes, well, what is your, what is your idea? And I was like, well, I want to do this coffee shop and a cafe and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I have a perfect location. It's in Dundalk. Um, it's in these two new apartment buildings. It's on the first floor on the end. Um, and they want a coffee shop there really, really bad. So they're going to fund the build out. Wow. Right. That is amazing. So I'm like, all right, sign me up. Like, when can I come look at it? So I went and looked at it and it was just a shell, like literally walls and like a stone floor, but it had all the windows on the outside. And I'm like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I envisioned. This will be awesome. So then again, start the, the financing process. You know, like call, you know, better business or call the small business administration, call the, you know, women owned business, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, that was a huge hoop jumping nightmare that didn't work out anyway. Um, so anyway, but anyway, I, I made it work and we opened in 2019. So um, right, right before the pandemic. Right before. Uh, yeah, we were wow. nine months in when the, when the pandemic hit. Right. Wow. And how did that, that's one of the last questions I was going to ask, but we can skip down to that. So you know, like the challenges that you faced and how has the pandemic changed your business model? Those are two of my questions, the end, but we can talk about those now. So I can only imagine because you had. So it it actually wasn't, it wasn't terrible. So we're open um, Monday through Saturday, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Sundays 8 to 3. So we just do breakfast and lunch and we had a pretty solid takeout business anyway. Oh, great. So so I didn't have to pivot and change my whole business model. I had a patio. I had outdoor seating. I had all the things. So basically, we just changed from everyone, you know, let's say 40% of my customers dining in. Now it just became 100% of everybody carrying out. Carry out, right. So like we sort of already had that, you know, it's not like we had to put a um, hang on one second. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have to put a dining room in the parking lot, you know, all of a sudden buy a whole bunch of takeout, you know, cups and boxes and a whole bunch of stuff. Cause a lot of places that only have dine-in like carry outs, rarely even a thing. They didn't right. have takeout supplies. They right. didn't have plastic bags and to-go boxes and plastic cups and mm-hmm. 
they had to figure out how to do all that. And those jerks, they took all my shit and <laughs> I was buying that anyway. And now I couldn't get it. Right. Funny enough. I'm like, I'm like well, you, you make your own supply, bro. But you have to but you have to love it that you're already set up with the patio. They all had to purchase tents. You know, oh so my gosh. Tents outside. <laughs> of course, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that this is gonna save me in any way, but um <laughs> Because originally the the plan was to have the patio the, the length of the building so it would have been twice as big as it is uh-huh. and have like a pergola on one side and be like this whole fancy to do, but because the landlords were funding the build out you know they're like hey is there a way we can you know cut some costs here and there, uh. and I was like hey let's just do the patio half the size, and get rid of the pergola for now if we're busy if it were if you know if everything's great we can add that later, uh-huh. which you can't add that later because the patio is a um, impervious surface oh. so if you if they would have dug up to like lay concrete again you had to rezone it you had to make sure parking spaces and all this stuff so whatever oh wow um, but it's hindsight but not only that it's i still have th- that space there it just it doesn't have concrete so i moved my picnic tables from the patio out to there and then i got a whole bunch of new tables for in the patio, but that was only this year. Like that was still during COVID. I just had the same four tables outside. Gotcha. But, um, I mean, yeah, you you do what you can. And, um, I got some PPP help, so I didn't have to lay off anybody. Oh, that's Um, great. Yeah. So I think for April and May, we closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. So me and my main other manager, could have two days it was mainly so she could have two days off uh-huh. I had, you know promised her when she agreed to come work for me that she would have two days off and it'd be consecutive and whatever so once this hit i was like okay mondays and tuesdays are our slowest days right now we'll be closed on mondays and tuesdays that gives her her two days and then her and i just work the other five and then uh-huh. i think we had like one or two other people help us um on those days but i mean april took a big financial hit because i think you know nobody knew what was going on yeah it was a big what's going on like this is crazy Mm -hmm. toilet paper and then like may people were starting to be like wait a second this is crazy (laughs) we have to figure it out right (laughs) what you're telling me is (laughs) you we, we can't dine in but everyone and their mother can go to walmart Okay, right. How about the the funniest part I I found was when I entered the restaurant, I had to wear a mask, but until I sat down, I could take it off. But if I got up to go to the bathroom, I had to put it back on. Yeah, I mean, COVID only lived like six (laughs) feet from the ground and higher. Like if you're sitting down, you were safe. Right. That that one just, just boggled my mind. Like, like isn't it crazy that they like convince the whole world that this is a thing? Right. Like as long as you're sitting at a table, <laughs> no COVID for you. Right. Oh, but the second you stand up, apocalypse now. It's all over you, right? Yeah, I, I don't wanna, you know, play down COVID because it definitely was a serious thing. I actually got it back in 2019 and it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty rough. It, I was, I was, it was pretty bad, but I'm still here, you know, I'm, I made it. So, right. you know, but it was, it was definitely a challenge. 
man. So how has the pandemic changed your business model? Have, have, have you done anything different or are you still operating the same as you did from 2019? Nope. We still operate the same because again, because we were, we had a good takeout business. We didn't have to like change our marketing. We didn't, I mean, we did what a lot of us were like, Hey, don't forget you can order online, but you always could. Uh-huh. But people just preferred to come in because they like the interaction, you know, they like the atmosphere, they like all the stuff. So whenever you couldn't, like you literally weren't even allowed in the building. Right. Yeah. You know, it's pretty good curbside for a little while and, and whatever. But then, um, I mean, really we didn't have to do a whole lot of changes. Um, for one, we were so new that not everyone even knew we were there. So we just kept, you know, pushing forward with, what we wanted to do and who we were and, and all that. And, you know, I mean, people would still come by, you know, in August, September, October. And we're like, Oh man, it's a bummer that you had to close during COVID. I'm like, I didn't close during COVID. Like, really? We just assumed. And I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. isn't it? We have an, in- an Instagram and Facebook presence. Like you just yeah. assume like, all right, well, I guess. I think that's, that's the interesting thing, how people just assume, you know, and I noticed too, there was an issue with Google that wasn't showing the correct hours and, and all that stuff about every business. So when you go on Google to find out, you know, it would just say that the hours could be different due to COVID. So you exactly. So you just assume you're like, well, I guess they didn't make it right. There you go. Exactly. And then why make a visit? So I think that kind of hurt a lot of restaurants too, because they weren't, you know, diligent enough to go in and change and claim their Google profile. So yeah, Google my I, business. You and know? I think some of it could have been inconvenience. Yeah. Where, I mean, the whole world, like everything in your life was inconvenience at the time. Like you had to wear a mask everywhere you went. You had to like stay six feet apart. You had to wonder why that was the case at the grocery store, but you couldn't go here. And then you're like, well, can we go there? Are they open? Do we have to, like, what do we have to do? Like, what hoops do we have to jump through? What's, and, and it was almost like, oh, I, I don't even want to. Like, just just order something from DoorDash or whatever. Like, I just, I think people were over it really quick. Right. And just there was so much, like, the CDC was all over the place with, like, well, this is a thing and that's a thing. Okay, well, now it's this and now it's that. And it's like, I, I don't know what to do, but I'm done. You right. Know, and then you had to start figuring out how to homeschool her kids. And mm-hmm. like it was just everyone's life got upheaved so quickly. You know, and when you're not McDonald's or anywhere with this billion dollar budget to, you know, just flood the TV and everywhere with marketing ads and legit like change your, like they'd had to change their business model overnight. Right. For these, like, you know, thank God all their shit's disposable anyway, but. Right. Like, all of a sudden, you know, bars are doing takeout booze and stuff. Like, that was unheard. You're like, that was illegal. That that one blew before. my mind. That blew my mind when they were talking about how they're allowing these companies to sell alcohol. Like, cocktails and stuff. It was just, it was, it was bizarre. But, you know, that's what it took to get us through you know, a difficult time like that. And, you know, why I, I, 
I applaud them for making it happen and doing it, but it's just really about making the money, you know? So it's kind of crazy. Well, yeah. And I was surprised that they did that too, because yeah, I mean, having an open container in your car is illegal. Right. But now you can buy like a 32 ounce cocktail from your local bar. Drive home with it. Right. Like, uh, like I appreciate that the state gave them like a, and I actually don't think they rescinded it. You know, I think they gave him like a temporary carry out liquor license for wow. that because you have to have specific licenses to do sell specific things and specific packaging sizes and blah, blah, blah. Right. But I think that they were just like, yeah, we're just going to, you know, let you do that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because places that didn't have zoning for outdoor dining, obviously they shut down roads so they could put tables outside so like i really appreciate how some of the governments really came together and were like hey we're gonna try and do everything we can to help instead of just being like we're not gonna follow this like you can let people in your building you know they're like all right well i guess you can put tables in the street and we'll shut them down or you can put tents on the sidewalks Uh you know like so i appreciate that um, you know, I, I know that that helped a little bit. Right. Yeah. I noticed, you know, like downtown Bel Air, there was a lot of rule bending where people were just putting stuff everywhere, like you said, on the sidewalk. So I felt weird walking on a sidewalk in between people eating, you know, it was just, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> you know, like, well, I guess it is what it is. I mean, right. I right. Do it, but yeah, you know, I, it, it seems like at the end, like when things quote unquote went back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the, uh, if any lesson was learned. Like, you know what? I agree with you. Prevent this from ever happening again. And, and, and granted, I understand what the original reasoning was. Mm-hmm. But then like once all the data and everything comes out and you're like, look what you, look what you allowed that allowed to happen to these businesses that fund your communities. Right. Like it was just like, oh, they said shut down. So we said, okay. And you torpedoed your communities. Yeah. And it's like, okay. We didn't realize what happened, Uh but now we do. So what is in place to make sure this never happens again? And how are they going to try and help support small business? To get them back besides just throwing money at it. Right. Because it's grant after grant after loan after loan after loan after program after program. Like, you can't have that much money. I know you don't. Right. You know, so it's just like all this trickle down effect of, okay, we're going to try and bail everybody out but you're not really solving the problem that started in the first place. Exactly. So now everyone's, and because for something that big, you can't police what's happening. Right. So all these businesses apply for all this money and they don't use it for what it's intended for. And then the people that truly need the money are denied. Right. So it's like, how do you prevent that from happening again? 
Right. What are the processes that the government's going to put in place, you know, to protect these small business owners, you know? It's just, it's crazy. Do you really trust the government's going to do anything to protect anybody? (laughs) That, that, that's a fact. You just saw what they did. Like, (laughs) they're not trying to protect shit. (laughs) Right. That is exactly true. The government. So are, do you still, um, are you still delivering with like DoorDash and Uber Eats? Yep. I do DoorDash and Grubhub. Grubhub. Do you, because I know they're taking a pretty percentage yeah. on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you foresee, because I know I talked to a lot of people and they're trying to get away from doing that. Do you, yep. do you see yourself try, maybe having like your own delivery people? So, so the one thing um, I don't think that I will. So my POS system is Toast uh-huh. and they have partnered with DoorDash to provide the delivery drivers. Uh So like the orders come through my POS system, but if it's a delivery, then a DoorDash driver shows up. Uh So it's it's less of a fee because I can give some of that fee to the customer Uh instead of me paying the whole thing. Um, I can, we can sort of split it. Like I don't give them all of it, but it helps balance it out. Um, So that saves me quite a bit. That's great. Um, so I do see myself getting away from the external delivery services mm-hmm. um, and then just trying to stick with that one because it's more cost effective. Right. And I mean, the more this goes on, the higher their fees are. And then I have to raise my prices on those platforms. Right. To make it make sense. Right. And that's one of the things that, people look at because i hear it a lot they'll look at the menu for delivery and it's astronomically more expensive than if i went to the store it's like why don't i just go and do it myself you know well and that's the whole thing with everything right you know like i I was at i was at my favorite restaurant the other night and there's this wackadoodle and he ordered a tequila shot and they're like yeah it's eight bucks and he's like It'd be cheaper if I just got it at the liquor store. And she's like, I know. That's correct. But that's why you're here because like what you're eating for dinner would be cheaper if you made it at home. But the whole point is that you wanted to go out and have it made by somebody else. So it's going to cost you more. Exactly. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard come out of someone's face. <laughs> oh, I man. know. And my glass of wine is $5 and I could buy a bottle for 7 Right. <laughs> like I get it. Yep. We all know how this works. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, I want to. Um... You have to be in a certain mindset to spend like $45 on Chinese takeout that costs you 18 if you would just go pick it up. I got a better one. $35 to have McDonald's delivered. Oh my Lord. That's like a yes. week supply of McDonald's. Yes. It was a McDouble, a large fry and a large root beer. And it was $35 delivered. And, you know, I wanted to try it. I wanted to see what the hype was all about. So I wanted the experience, you know. Of ordering through the app or trying the McDouble? Uh, the I did it through, um, when I did it, I think it was, um, was it DoorDash, I think, that, or Uber Eats. One of them delivered. One of them. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But 
But yeah, I just I used the McDonald's app and I ordered it because I wanted the experience. Let me order on the app and have somebody deliver it. And it was $35. And then they still want you to tip the driver. And he still wants you to tip the driver. Yep. Yeah, like this is like a, it's a fine dining meal out. Right. You get a paper bag delivered to your house. Right. And he's sitting at the floor. They don't even touch it. You know, you, you can't, you can't take it from them. You there. don't know that. <laughs> it's crazy. They, they had to, they had to take so many, do so many different things to make sure that the drivers weren't eating your food. Yeah. Yeah. I heard horror stories of that too, to where they would get their order and like half the fries were missing. Uh, it was crazy. Crazy. So you've been in the restaurant industry most of your life, right? My whole life. So I, um, I always joke that I was in the back of the kitchen when I was two weeks old. <laughs> well, I was. Um, my parents worked at a college in the in the dining hall. Nice. And so whenever I was two weeks old, I was in a little carrier back in the back of the kitchen. So mm-hmm. I've been in the industry since I was two weeks old. Right. So yeah. So I guess. It- just kind of carry it over with you because I was going to ask you, why did you choose this industry? But um, so, so there's, I did choose it because, you know, there was a whole lot of time that I wasn't in the industry. Um, but that college, um, my mom worked at off and on for most of my childhood. Um, both my parents went to that college um, my older two brothers ended up going to the college. So from when I was t- two weeks old, let's say, till I was 13, um, we were there probably three or four days a week in all different aspects. So going to soccer games, going to the auction, going to um, lunch after church, serving lunch after church, serving banquets, like doing all the things like, I, you know, working in the kitchen um, or the, the food stand during the auction or, or whatever. Like we were there for at least 13 years Wow! Um, doing all different aspects of all the things. So mm-hmm. like I was in the dish room when I was six, you know, like obviously we weren't paid, like we were just there helping out. <laughs> right. Like, don't worry about child labor. I wasn't child there. labor laws. It was free. <laughs> I wasn't paid anything. Um, except for in like cheese, blueberry cheesecake, which is totally fine by me. Nice. That's Um, awesome. So, I mean, that was just like what we did. Mm -hmm. And then, um, when I was 16, I started serving because I mean, it's easy cash as in high school, whatever. And then you just, you sort of get into it, you know, where it's just, it's easy money. It's flexible hours. Um, again, like. I don't want to say I didn't think there was anything else out there, but it was like, either you go to college or you just, you're a waitress your whole life. Like that sort of seemed like, and I had a phenomenal upbringing. My parents are super awesome. Mm-hmm. Like five brothers and sisters. We grew up in this big farmhouse, like imagination galore, like the most creative, fun, um, down to earth super awesome childhood ever so it's not like my parents are like you're stupid you can't do anything to be a a waitress it it wasn't like that they were actually so awesome that it it just didn't like things didn't compute the same way like Uh 
looking back now, like we, I was probably surrounded by tons of millionaires and I never knew it because they weren't like, Oh, screw them. Cause they have so much money that they have whatever. Right. Like, so that money was never an issue in that way. Uh-huh. It wasn't, you know, like, well, you're going to have to work super hard if you ever want to have anything nice. Because everything I had was nice as far as I knew. Uh-huh. So it wasn't like, well, here's the crap you get because we're not rich like those people. Uh-huh. Like people wanted to come to our house because we had the funnest parties and you could rotate <laughs> the dining room and we had forts all around the property. And to me, like that was just the funnest thing. Right. So That's like you go to your friend's house and they have like cooler cereal than you do, <laughs> but they don't have like a fort running through their house. Right. That's great. You know, so it's like, it, it's when I say that it's not a, a slam on my parents or, or my upbringing. Mm-hmm. It was just, everything was so great that there was never a, um, a contrast. Right. So, you know, like, Oh, they own their own business. I'm like, okay, they're pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Right. That, that's great. You know, like that's awesome. Good for them. Right. You know, it's not like they were on this huge mansion on the hill and we're all these peasants. Like, it just, it wasn't a thing. Right. So, like, maybe the only contrast would be, like, watching TV and there's, like, a movie star. And you're like, okay, well, that's what rich is. That's what rich is, right. You know, so, like, you have to, like, go to Hollywood and be a movie star. Otherwise, you're, like, all of us. Right. So, I didn't understand how all that worked. Uh-huh. Hence the, well, if this Yahoo can be a manager, so can I. Right. Like, I have a stronger work ethic than he does when he's asleep. You know, so it was like, not until my 30s that I'm like, wait, what? whoa, 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 whoa. So you mean to tell me that I can actually do this or be this? Yep. Or accomplish this? Yep. Like, holy shit, I've wasted so much time. <laughs> you know, like, well, I'm, I'm 41, three years into my own business, and I'm like, oh my lord, the sky's the limit. Yeah, but, but you know, you have to look at it. It wasn't wasted time. It was a learning process, right? We had to go through it, because I went through the same thing. Most you know, definitely. And, like, there's yeah. definitely days that I'm like, oh my lord, if I would have known what I know now when I was 20. Yes. Dude, Absolutely. I would just you like and you I almost get depressed for a minute like holy shit that was a lot of wasted time <laughs> like, like almost I have to sit down like oh right oh my god and then I'm yep. like okay all right this is why it happened that way this mm-hmm. is how you to look at things this is how this is why this is it's because Clearly, I wasn't ready to understand that the sky's the limit 20 years ago. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But, yes, I'm like, okay, well, what, what have you learned? Mm-hmm. So, so what's, the, um, what's the future of Joanna's Cafe? Do you see yourself expanding, maybe franchising or getting to a bigger location? Is that anything like on the horizon? Or Yeah, all, all of the above. Like, at first... I just wanted to do, I just wanted to have my own thing. I wanted to do it well. I wanted to provide a super awesome atmosphere for my team. 
because I didn't want anyone to ever come to work and feel the way that I had felt at different jobs. Um, you know, I wanted to be the kind of boss that I wish that I always had. I did have a few that were awesome, but when you have a five person management team, they're not all going to make you feel like the best thing ever. Right. Um, or above them or people that care even less. <laughs> so I wanted to do that. Um, I wanted to have the best customer service ever. And whenever you're in a job where there's a whole lot of other people, you don't always have control over that. Cause like, Oh, I wasn't there that day. Sorry that, you know, your visit was a dumpster fire. And then I really wanted to provide my community with something that they didn't have and that they really wanted. Right. So at first I'm like, dude, if I can do that, I'm golden. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we opened and we were just like welcomed with open arms of the community and everyone was just raving and they're like, this is great. Like they walk in and they're like, oh my God, where are we? Like, are we still in the same town? Um, you know, and we started getting reviews after reviews after reviews. And, you know, I'm like, oh my God, we're doing it. And then I'm like, wait a second. I don't like this, you know, and then you start like seeing it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm listening to Andy's podcast all the time and I'm like, oh my God. The sky's the limit. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to, like, how many other communities need a place like this? How many other, you know, you read all the reviews about people that go to Dunkin' and Starbucks and you're like, this is terrible. This is gross. This, you know, this woke thing or that, like, this policy and that policy. And I'm like, guys, like, like, my vision is like, coming at me like a train uh-huh. and I'm like, I'm onto something and I, I've created exactly what I set out to create oh, and I get to do it in my sister's name. Right. Which is amazing. Yep. Yep. So, and then I'm like, okay, I'm looking at, I'm looking into, you know, so yes, I'm, I'm looking into expanding because we're, my shop is only 1200 square feet. And we outgrew that before COVID. Like I was looking with my landlords to bumping into the space next to me uh-huh. just because we needed more space. Right. And so that obviously got shut down because of COVID and me basically all the getting shut down. Yeah. So are you going to revisit that idea to take the um, more space? That down? space isn't available anymore. Uh, um, yeah. But... I'm still looking at other locations. I don't want to move that location. Like, I feel like that location needs to stay. Uh-huh. It's kind of like the flagship, if you will. Right. And um, it's in a good, it's in the right area too. Cause like, oh my gosh, it's like great. Said, it, it's in a real, it's actually, it's, it's a hundred feet off of the main road that goes through the town. Yep. So, which is funny. Cause a lot of people still don't know we're there, even though we're that close to the road. Right. Um, but it's also a difference of, I don't know, probably $10,000 a month in rent. Right, right. Should I be any for any closer? Right. And I'm right next to, like, the main grocery store there, uh, which is funny because people drive past me 
every single day for three years. And then they'll come in and be like, I didn't even know you were here. I didn't know you were here. I drive past every day. I'm like, what are you doing when you're driving? Like, I've got tables, I've got lights, I've got signs on the windows. Right. All right. Anyway, like, okay, well, you're meant to be here when you're meant to be here. Exactly. Um, right. So, so there's where's the, um, um, where's the, um, where are you looking for your next location? What area? So there's actually, um, I was looking in my hometown, which is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, this really great location opened up. Um, it's my friend's dad actually, um, had a music store for 35 years uh-huh. and he just retired from that and sold the business and it was relocated somewhere else. So he put a loft, like a loft project, like 12 or 13 loft units, uh-huh. like apartments above where he, the studio was. Uh-huh. So that downstairs now became an open retail space. Right. So I'm like, oh my God. And it's on the other side of town. Uh-huh. Like where all the hip shit is. Right. Like the other side, like every coffee shop you could think of, all the restaurants, all the things. And then this other side has like nothing. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it would be so perfect. And, you know, like I ran it past him and he's like, you would do so great there. Like, it'd be so good. And then, of course, I ran into financing issues again. Uh-huh. So I'm like, ah, Gracie. There's a, there's a nice little place that shut down up here in Bel Air that used mm-hmm. to be a bagel shop that you might want to eye up. Yeah. Where's that? It's a nice little busy area. You know where the Target is off of uh, Route 1? I, I literally know nothing about Bel Air except for gotcha. Farmhouse on Main. Yeah. So if you go up. And I've never been there. I've only seen it on Facebook. Because I yeah. keep wanting to go, but it's like 45 minutes away. Yeah. So if you go where the shopping center is for Sprouts, and there's a um, Barnes & Nobles in there. There's a Barnes & Noble there? Uh-huh. Oh, dude, I'd love me a bookstore. Every time yep. I go home to Lancaster, yep. I go and, to And they had a Starbucks in there, but they closed it down, and now it's a um, a bubble tea shop hooked to it. Okay, yeah, I know that Starbucks was in quite a few Barnes & Noble, mm-hmm. and then, I don't know, some still have them and some don't. Mm-hmm. I can, um, I can take a screenshot of where it's at and send you a photo of it. Okay. I can take a Google Maps and just show it to you, show where it's at. I think it would be a good location for you. I really do. Yeah, and then, um, so do you know where Bethlehem Steel used to be? Uh Uh-huh. So that's Trade Point Atlantic now. Okay. And they have, I don't know, 12, 13, 15, like, million square foot warehouses on the property now and and they have a bunch more coming so Uh you know they have fedex they have amazon they have under armor they have a bunch of other stuff so um actually i reached out to you know i I went on their website and they're like oh if you're looking you know for space or whatever and i'm like what's it gonna hurt to reach out and be like hey what do you have for food because it's all warehouses and there's no actual food pro- like restaurants on the property. Uh-huh. And the only things that are nearby are this little pizza shop that's on uh, like Old North Point Road and this little like fried food thing. And then they just built a 
row of farms like at the front of the property. So, you know, that's fried chicken. And, and then they have like some made to order food, kind of like sheets or mm-hmm. Right. So you're looking to put something in down. Well, the so I, I emailed them and I'm like, Hey, I have this coffee shop cafe in Dundalk and you know, I live in Sparrows Point. Um, you know, love that you're revitalizing the old Bethlehem steel. You know, hey, what do you have going on for food? Because it doesn't really look like you have a whole lot. And he, he emailed me back and he's like, Oh my god, we were just talking about your shop yesterday. Oh wow, that's impressive. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So they are putting in a retail um, strip at the front. And that's what they were talking about. They're like, oh, have you been to Joanna's Cafe? Like, that would be a great thing for right there. Right. Um, So they haven't built it yet. They're still in the talks. Because basically what they were going to do is have some of their builders that have put up all these million square foot warehouses just be like hey do you guys think you could throw together some like a retail I don't even know what to call it like six or seven space retail shop just like Uh you're out here throwing up this huge building can you just throw this thing up real quick like almost like a side project like hey while you're here (laughs) while you're here right (laughs) right but what that the benefit that that could have is that they're not putting that in there to make money or to be an asset Mm -hmm. it's almost a a benefit to the buildings that they have there so it could be something like oh if you want to bring your giant warehouse here some of the perks are you have this and this and this and this Mm-hmm. which could mean the rent could be very reasonable versus some of these other places that making money is their number one priority. Mm-hmm. So they just jack up the rent. Right. You know, like there's some restaurants that they're paying 14 to $25,000 a month to lease their space. That's incredible. That's it's ridiculous. It is. That so, is. I pay $1,000 a month. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if I could get something decent, I mean, and the traffic that's through there is incredible. Like it would be such a prime location. Absolutely. That'd be a moneymaker, right? So, you know, that could be a big deal. So that's something I'm looking at, um, you know, and then we're thinking of, you know, doing a food truck and because I'm, I'm just as much, if not more, restaurant than I am coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Like originally it was like coffee, 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 and then we're going to have some food, like breakfast and lunch stuff. Mm-hmm. But then we made our food's really, really good. So a lot of people, just as many people come for breakfast and lunch mm-hmm. and a coffee as they do for a latte or, you know, whatever. So right. it's really kind of the best of both worlds is. I mean, if if you read our reviews or you like look at our Instagram page or anything like that, like we're so much like we're a a really cool breakfast and lunch restaurant that has really great coffee drinks. Yeah. When I, um, when I made a visit, 
I only had a Danish, so I didn't really get a chance to, you know, look at the menu and the offerings and see what, what you really had to offer. So I need to stop back in and, and really look at your menu and try some of your delicious food. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's, it, it's, a it's, it's humbling to say the least. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm the most extroverted introvert you'll ever meet. Yeah. Because and I can tell you take pride in your location too, because your people work hard. It's very clean. You know, you, you take care of it. You know, the decor yeah, and, is nice. And, and they're so, I have the best staff. And I, I don't like to call them the staff. Like they're my team all day, every day. Um, because I've told them, like, I, I'm not your boss. I, I work here alongside you because I can't do this alone and I can't do it without them. Right. You know, like there's not, I mean, there are times where like today is a perfect example. Like I had to do computer work most of the day and I was able to because of the people that I had scheduled. Right. That's awesome. And it wasn't my manager. Mm -hmm. It was just like three of my team members, but they're so good now that I can let them run the show for two hours and I'm just sitting out front on my computer getting stuff done. Getting stuff done. And yep. I don't have to worry about anything. Cause usually unless Becky's there, I'm like, well, I'm going to try and do this and this, but there's a solid possibility. I don't even get to my computer until three 30. Right. You know? And then I'm like, all right. I gotta stuff <laughs> Hence the reason why we're doing our podcast at eight o'clock at night and not at well, three and o'clock. That's, well, and that's the reason <laughs> that, you know, cause I didn't have a day off this week because um, I had a girl that was sick and Monday was a holiday. And I'm like, well, I'm not really sure how that's going to go. Sometimes <laughs> holidays are insane, but it was Columbus Day. So I'm like, well, not everything's closed. So maybe it's not going to be as bad, but I'm like, I'm going in anyway. And then Tuesday, I had a really big catering order in the morning. So I was there from like 7 to 11. Mm-hmm. And then I had an appointment and like the rest of the day was pretty much gone after that. Right. And then... So a lot of times when I do phone calls or any, anything like this, I'm like, let's shoot for three o'clock when, when I'm closed. And that doesn't even always work. <laughs> and it doesn't always work. Right. No, people still stroll in, you know, like, and, and I never lock the front door until I leave for that reason. Like, yeah. I think, um, I don't know if you remember when I was there, I think, I didn't realize that you were closing and we were still sitting there just lollygagging and doing our thing. And uh-huh. like, I think I should be out of here, but I don't know if I should still be here. No, and, and <laughs> I, I always say, you know, they're like, oh my goodness, you're, you're close to three. I'm like, hey, as long as I'm still here cleaning up and doing stuff, you're more than welcome to stay. That's as awesome. If you want, like, I mean, if I'm going to be there for an hour anyway, like, what's the purpose of? Kicking every kicking anybody out, kicking people out, right? Exactly. You stay here and play your checkers and do your thing and do your thing. You know, whenever I'm ready to go, I'll let you know, and if not, I'll just sit on my computer and get shit done. While <laughs> and, and get it done, right? Yep. I mean, I, I need that time too. Right. So I definitely would like to bring you back on again when you start moving with these different locations. You think about franchising. You know, I'd like to get back with you and, and, you know, follow up and see how that, that all is going with you okay. in the future. But I'll definitely stop in, say hi, 
and check out your menu again. And um, anything else that you want to add? No, I, I mean, I don't think so. I, I appreciate you having me Absolutely. on. And... Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you know, that's why I wanted to talk to you because the brief visit that I had, you know, we didn't really get a chance to talk a lot. You know, I know you were busy you were on your computer. It's like, well, I don't want to bother her. You know, I think I'll, I'll get back with her when I can, you know. And I, I really want to know the story of, you know, what was Joanna's Cafe about? You know, so I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that story. And, you know, it's 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 awesome that you're honoring, you know, your sister, and what you're doing. It's great, you know. And to keep it going, you know, Thank you. do more, man. And, you know, I'm sure she's looking down and proud of you, you know, so good for you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, Lindsay, it's great talking to you. I really appreciate you spending the time. And um, I will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, you're very welcome. Thanks, Lindsay. Have a great night. You too. Thank you. You've been listening to the QAC Team Podcast with your host, Charles Luttrell. Today, we took you beyond the restaurant table and into the kitchen with leaders and business owners in your community. For more information, visit us at qacteam.com or Facebook and Instagram at qac.team. Thanks for listening.